0: Thank you Charles, thank you band, that was fantastic, thank you. So um, we need to talk to Donovan really, that's the most important thing right now, so do you want to come out Donovan so we can talk to you? Please come out and we'll talk to you. So um, this is Donovan's last Sunday as an elder. From now on, he will be a younger, and uh, and you're going to watch the years fall off, uh, which will be good. But we wanted to honour you. you. We wanted to just recognise your faithfulness, um, your service, I mean, I know you're not leaving, but you know. I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, If if the sun shines, yeah. One of the things I think, I was thinking about what to say, and I think lots of people know what a practical person you are and how you do lots and lots of practical things and often step in when there's gaps and do, but I, I, I don't want people to miss that you've been in this role, not because of what you can do, but because of who you are. And it's your character, and that's the biblical nature of leadership, is that people are appointed in leadership because of their character and not their skills. So I would not like it for people to leave and think that it isn't about character because it is. And I want to personally thank you, first of all, for your patience, you have been just so patient with me. Uh, And... um, I know this will come as a shock to everybody else, but I'm not necessarily the easiest person to work with. Nor uh, am I, uh, Graham. Especially when I get an idea in my head. So uh, I want to thank you for that. And and for your grace, because it's been a transition time and you've been a leader in that. So we just want to bless you. We want to thank you. Uh, We have a small gift for you. which we'd like to give you now, uh, and me. it has your name on it. Um, so I left
1: the baton at home, Graham. I'm sorry. Yes. Well,
0: I, what I'm really pleased about is that if there was a baton, yeah. you wouldn't be handing it to me no. anyway. Uh, yes, um, so we'll, we'll get to the awkward look on the Mondan face uh, <laughs> later. But, um, but before that, we just want to say thank you.
1: Thank you. You are indeed, because Richard's got a microphone. i unprepared for this, I, I did, didn't even think about it, but thank you, it's really special. Thank you so much. Um, I hadn't even thought about what I wanted to say, but two things just came into my mind as, as uh, Graham was talking there. One is uh, what a privilege it is to serve God and to serve his people. <laughs> And uh, I never imagined I'd sort of have a role like this that I've had over the last couple of years or so. And it was daunting, and, uh, but it really is a privilege and um, I'm not really equipped for this kind of thing, I think, really. But God enables you to do things. So if you're sitting there and thinking, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that, then it's not about you, it's about what God can do through you. And I want to encourage, I think we're blessed with so many people who do so many things in our church, it's wonderful. But there's more, and that more might involve you. And just be bold and have confidence in what God will do. Second thing, ever so much quicker is, please would you pray for me over the next few months. Those who know me better know that I Um, I'm in better place when I'm busy, and I find it quite difficult not to be busy. And I tend to rely on God more when I'm busy, and rely on God less when I'm not. So I'd really value some prayer over the months as I try and rest and adjust a bit. That's sincere, I really would. And that's all really Graham. Thank you ever so much. Thank Thank you. Thank
0: you. you. Okay, Okay. publicly. Uh, before this group this family and before God that we release you from the responsibilities you've been carrying please stay as part of our family because you are you don't get out but, but be released what was it Tim Blackburn was saying to me last week you can check out anytime you like but you can never leave uh, but be released, Donovan, and uh, let's just pray for Donovan now. Lord, we just want you please, to honor this man, to lift from him uh, the burden of responsibility that he has carried. Lord, bless him for his faithfulness and take him into a new season. Lord, just honor his prayer that as he rests, you will be close, that even though he's not busy, that he will know your presence. And he will know a walk with you like Adam walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Lord, so we want that you will walk with Donovan in this season. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in contrast to that, of course, we want to pile huge amounts of pressure on somebody else instead. So, James, come on up. (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking. I'm... So, um, this is our new younger elder, and, uh, and we're really excited about this. Uh, it's one of the things that as a leadership two and a half years ago, Donovan and I said to ourselves is, we don't want the next generation of this church to be run by older people alone. And that's always a risk. We want we want it to be across. Everybody is church now. So if you're five years old, you're not the church of the future. You're church now. If you're 95 years old, you're not the church of the past. You're the church now. And we need that. And so it's exciting to see uh, uh, someone step up, and and uh, we 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 really want to welcome you. So. Um, the old is now James and myself and, and Mr John Smith uh, back there. Um, I'm the, I see myself as you know somebody who can um, explain things. I see you as the voice of reason, and John as the awkward questions. And, uh, <laughs> I think that probably I think that that sums it up nicely and actually although we find that funny actually it's a nice combination it, and it is good to have the awkward question so fantastic so we'd like to pray for you right now and just to, to bless you because you are now starting and that's not an easy thing and there's a balance with family and church and work so can we just pray sure, for you now thank you. thank you. Lord Jesus we just want to thank you for James. We want to bless you, we just want to stand before you and just acknowledge him in this new role. Rod, uh, as Donovan's already said, Lord, your, your promise is that you will enable us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we just pray, Lord, that you will now fill James with your Holy Spirit. Lord, anoint him, anoint him with a double portion, that he will be enabled, that he will be released, that he will be empowered to do the work that you have commissioned him to do. We just pray that you bless him, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you. Graham, thank you for the word that you've given him, that you've put in him. Thank you for his faithfulness in spending time with you to listen to you, to prepare for today. And I pray that, yeah, your words would just come out of his mouth this morning, um, and that you'd just speak to us through what he's got to say. I pray you bless him and fill him up with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow. This is an interesting, um, an interesting passage. Lots of people get very excited about this passage, uh, and, and rightly so. They say that, you know, this, this, is, this is the New Testament church, um, and it's a phrase that's been used for, oh, hundreds and hundreds of years, the New Testament church. And it does sort of list all the things that we, we really like about church. And it, it, it fits with our vision. Remember our vision. Our vision is that we would grow numerically from local converts. And that we would grow spiritually through the outworking of the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's our vision. So we like that, don't we? I mean, if only that would happen here. Yes? Okay. If only that would happen here. But you see in this this gathering that we're talking about, there is a wider context by the way. So it was very good and they met together with glad and sincere hearts for a short time. And then there was persecution. And then there was execution. And then there was scattering. And then the church started again in all sorts of other places. And that was necessary for the church to scatter. But the Bible in the New Testament then it becomes full of apostles writing to churches encouraging them to start behaving like this group. So clearly it wasn't so easy for churches to keep it up. It's, it's lovely but it's not so easy to keep it up. And we need to talk about that really today because this was the church being built, the start of Jesus building His church, and the church as family. So we are family. When Jesus talks about His church, I'll build mine, the word He uses is ecclesia, which really means church. When Paul talks to the, the, the church in Ephesus and he says, this is the family that God has given His name to. This is the family. And he uses the word family, patria, which is family. So Jesus is building a church that is going to be called family. And then later, Paul uses another word when he talks to, to Timothy, who's building, he's growing a church. And he says, uh, people used, used to need to conduct themselves as those are part of God's household. And the, the, the word he uses there is, is Oikos, a Greek word for household or family, it means everybody together, everybody's part of the family. Everybody who lives under the one roof is all part of the family. And we keep saying this, don't we? We go, who is the church? This is the roof that we're under, but this is the family. And that's the thing, and it's exciting. So at Pentecost, we see the start of God's family, the church, being built. So we're family. But there's two sides to family. There's a, there's, I, I, I put the word down and then thought that looks a bit posh, but there's a dichotomy. I know, there's a dichotomy. There's two sides which sometimes end up in tension a dichotomy and that is that there's family life and there's family business. Now we have to look at this because family life is in and family business is out. So there's an in church and an out church. It's still church, but some of the in church is in church and the out church is out church, still church. Family life, family business. Now, when the Holy Spirit came in to the room, what did the people do? They went out. When the apostles performed signs and wonders, where were they? They were out. When the people who were converted daily... Where did they go? They came in, in church, out church, out church, in church, two sides, part of the same family. So the in church, I don't mean that meaning the in crowd, but I mean the people are there already. What were they doing? Well, they were being devoted. They were devoted to Bible teaching, devoted. To think about that word, devoted, that's quite, that's quite a powerful word, isn't it? They were devoted. It was prioritized. It wasn't an afterthought, it was prioritized. If you think about things that people do in families and they'll go, right, we are determined that we are going to sit at a table and eat with our children. We devote ourselves to family time because we think that's going to be very important. Or whatever else happens, we're going to give this, or we're going to do that, and we become devoted. That's the kind of devoted, family devoted. They devoted themselves to the church fellowship, and we see that later because that becomes the identity, doesn't it? That's the identity. What is it God's promise in the Old Testament that He puts the fatherless into Families, what family? This family, a family where people are devoted. They devoted themselves to breaking bread together. Big discussion about whether that meant communion or whether that meant eating together. Frankly, I don't much care because both are on offer. We can do both. Why choose? When you can have it all communion and dinner what a cornucopia of fellowship that is fantastic this afternoon we're going to have a barbecue we're going to commit ourselves and they committed themselves to prayer and i know we've said this over and again but it is without doubt true you trace any revival anywhere in the world and what you will find before it happens is a group of people devoted to praying together, so the church did that. They did the devoted family thing, and the net result of the in-church thing was that outside of the church, the apostles performed signs and wonders. I like signs and wonders, I do not, I am not a cessationist by any stretch. I do not believe that the Holy Spirit retired in 2 AD, I don't subscribe to that as a theology at all. I believe that the Holy Spirit is as happy to work signs, wonders, miracles today as ever. But as the church was devoted in, so the miracles occurred out, out among the people. Paul says, devote yourself to being prayerful and watchful. Devote yourself to doing good, he says in Titus. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and the telling of parables. I mean, the shack is a fantastic thing, isn't it? Because it's, it's telling a parable, which well, hopefully gets people thinking. But apart from being devoted, the family that we're talking about, this new family, they were united. They had a common purpose. And I think this is one of the things that's quite difficult for us these days. We live in what we are told is called a postmodern culture. And one of the key parts of a postmodern culture, apart from the much lamented huge amounts of consumerism is a postmodern culture is where people view everything in terms of themselves so it's what's called individualistic which means that this church family culture in acts is quite difficult for us to understand because it's not given in terms of that in fact there's a key biblical opportunity here you see when God made a plan, He made a plan for Jesus to build a church. Now, what that means is that if God has a plan for your life, it isn't in isolation, it's part of His plan for the church. It, it isn't a big group of individuals, it's a family. If you want to know what God's plan for your life is, you need to look at it in the context of church, because that's God's plan. Individuals together. We have an individual salvation. We have an individual relationship with Jesus, but we, we grow in relationship with one another. And they were united, a common purpose. They had a common outlook. They were not possessive. We saw that that it wasn't about what do I own, what do I get, what have I got. It was much more about what is for us, what is for the benefit. They had a common meeting place. You notice that they met in the temple courts. Now, the reason they met in the temple courts was that you were allowed to. Just understand this. So, they they were being law-abiding. You see, the Roman Empire was rather hesitant. About subversive groups meeting secretly in places, so they didn't do that. They met in a public place where you were allowed to gather, but they were also visible. So apart from being gathered, they were visible in the temple courts. They were united, and they had that common commitment. You know what we say: one body, many parts. One body, all together. Not seeking their own benefit. 1 Corinthians 10 33, I, Paul says, I do not seek my own benefit, but only that others may be saved. But they stood out. So in this unity, they enjoyed the favour of people, but they stood out. They were glad. They were glad. God was good to them, and they told their faces. No, they really did. They were sincere, they meant it, they weren't kidding. They were welcoming, they were hospitable. And the result of that was this, daily conversions, daily conversions, the out stuff from the in stuff, the in church behavior. Paul said rejoice in the Lord always, and how easy is it to rejoice always? Are you a bit up and down on the rejoicing front? Me, me too. I, I, I do a good rejoice sometimes, and, and I do a good non-rejoice quite often as well. Um, some people like to call it grumpy. I think that's unfair, but there you go. Anyway, uh, the Bible says rejoice and pray continually. Rejoice and pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. I've got a nice interesting book here, which I would recommend to you, by the way. You rattle through this in No Trouble At All, it's Michael Frost, Surprised the World, and it says, Five Habits of Highly Missional People, and it's it's an excellent little book. But in it, he, he tells a story of the Emperor Julian, who was in AD 331 to 363, so a long time after this, but he's talking. And he was very concerned because Christianity to him looked like atheism. Because there was all these gods and the Christians didn't worship any of them. them. But the problem was that the Christians in each community in the Roman world were kind, were generous, were hospitable, were friendly, and it stood out. And it made the Roman religion look bad. It it wasn't anything that fitted in anywhere. The behavior of the Christian church in the third century stood out so much that it was upsetting the Roman emperor. Now, that's that's family, isn't it? That's… Nobody gets to us. We're doing what we're doing. So here's the challenge then. So if we want to see the signs and wonders. If we want to have the favor of the people and if we want daily conversions, do we want that? Do we want signs of wonders? Do we? Are you sure? Yeah? Do we want to have favor in the community? Yes, we do. Yes, we should. Wherever possible, as much as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone is that uh, instruction in Romans do we want to see lots of people converted? Do we want to see that? Okay, so here is the Old Testament, the New Testament principle, which is this. When the in-church disciplines are applied by a devoted people, the out-church signs follow in a dramatic manner. Do you want me to go over that again? When the in-church disciplines are applied by a devoted people the out-church signs follow in a dramatic manner. When we do our in-church disciplines in a devoted manner, the out-church signs follow dramatically. So here's the difficulty for the evangelical church. And I don't just, I don't mean you. I mean the evangelical church and across the centuries is this. The evangelical church has always wanted the out-church stuff in church. But they don't want the in-church stuff in church. They want that out. But the out-church stuff will only be in church if the out-church people, for whom the out-church stuff is, are in church. But the in-church people don't want the out-church people in church. They just want the out-church stuff in church for the in-church people. And if that wasn't confusing enough. Church people don't want to go out-church for out-church stuff, and they don't want to come into church for in-church stuff. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? See, if there's just us, why would we expect out-church stuff? We want out-church stuff in here. We need to bring out-church people in. But equally, we need to go out to out-church people to see the out-church stuff. It's exciting. And we do that because we've applied the in-church disciplines and we have the compassion and the commitment and the hospitality and the devotion and the sincerity and the gladness and the gratitude that turns the society upside down. Are you following this? It's like this. It's like a family business. Imagine two families owned sweet shops. Now, one family, they really don't like customers coming in and messing up the shop. Um, And they don't like giving sweets to complete strangers either. They just want to sit in the shop eating sweets all day and not doing any work. Now, they're a very united family, but they're an unsuccessful business. Eventually, the shop closes because it does no business. There's another family. they also own a sweet shop and they're very focused on attracting customers and selling sweets. But they've got little or no sympathy for anybody in the family who's in trouble. They never really meet or discuss anything. And they're very critical, even hurtful, if someone isn't pulling their weight. Now, this might be a very successful business. But eventually the shop will close because the family's going to fall apart. Do you follow what I'm saying here? We need the in-church and we need the out-church. And both need to be attended to. I appreciate there's attention. We call that a dichotomy. <laughs> Smug look. Allow me. Okay, so, so there we go. There's in-church and out-church. We need to attend to the in-church. We can't reject the in-church stuff. But we can't expect out-church things if we're not doing that business. We've got to do both. Now, at Pentecost, the church didn't hesitate when it went to out-church work. People came to serve. They didn't come to watch. People came to do and to share. They came to give out, not to be done to. Their blessing they received was by having an attitude of blessing others. Have a quick look in this book, good passage on that, by the way. The church didn't hesitate when it came to sacrificing either, and that was a challenge. Not surplus, sacrifice. This is a challenge for us in our society, because this is the great postmodern fear, isn't it? The big fear is missing out. If I give, what's left for me? What's everybody else got? Why haven't I got it? What happens to me? That's, that's the real cultural fear. You watch your advertising. It's always like that. You know, do you know that one which says basically parents get into debt to pay for really expensive holidays because this is your children's memories you're playing with? Have you seen those adverts? I, get, I struggle with them. I struggle with them. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And it's all built on this fear of missing out. Well, this is not a church that had that fear, didn't have that fear, they weren't afraid of missing out. In fact, can I tell you, quite often we, we see a, a failing in our system, because our system works like this, if you don't feel great, compensate. If you don't feel great, compensate. And we have, we have, we have two, two types of advertising in the world, basically. One is aspirational have all these products because then you can be like these people who are, you know, paragliding and having parties and are at the beach all the time or whatever. And then the other one is life is rubbish, so have this, it'll make you feel better, which is mostly British advertising, it has to be said. Um, it's sort of, you know, Enders advertising, really. um, But one of the things with this that lots of people find is this. That actually, it doesn't matter how much you compensate, you don't feel any better. There's only so much alcohol you can drink. There's only so much chocolate you can eat. You know, there's only so many times that you can go down the surprise aisle at at Aldi. There's only so much you can do before it doesn't. The reality is, and this group found this, is if you don't feel good about you, you'd be surprised how much feel you better you feel by serving others rather than serving yourself over and over and over and over again. There's that sight we don't seem to say it anymore, which sort of says, get over yourself. I'm not being unsympathetic here. And those of you who know me, I'm not like that. But what I'm saying is sometimes you take your eyes off yourself and look to others' needs, it's amazing how much good it does you. This was a New Testament church that did that. It was fantastic. The church didn't hesitate for new converts. I keep talking to church leaders who say that their membership doesn't like it when new people come in because it kind of disrupts things. But this was not a church that did that. I want to tell you another story, though. I did talk to a church. It was fantastic. It was a church. He said he had a church. He was leading a church of 60 people leaning on the older side, 60 people, very, very keen. And in less than six months, the church was joined by another 60 Iranians. Some Christians, some converted Muslims, all younger, absolutely the opposite, if you like, culturally, to the world. Some spoke English, some didn't. I said, well, how, how have you got on with that? said, it has been wonderful. They have welcomed with open arms. It has transformed the church. I was really inspired. I'm thinking now, there's a Pentecost attitude. To people coming into your church. I loved it. It was fantastic. So, there we go. I know time's coming on, so we're just going to conclude. So, what I'm saying is there's an in-church and an out-church. There's church business to be done inside, and there's mm-hmm. church business to be done outside. It's a family, and, it's, and we've got work to do. So, God has a plan for you God has a plan for you individually. If you don't know Jesus yet, He would love to invite you to be part of Him building His church. He would love you to be part of building His church. And He has a plan for you, but His plan is to be growing His church. I'm not necessarily saying it's this little section of it, it might be elsewhere, but that's what He's going to do. He's going to build His church using us. It's part of His plan. It's a family business. We need to be devoted to these things. We need to be devoted to God's Word and devoted to each other in fellowship, devoted to hospitality, devoted to prayer. We need to stand out. We need to not be the same if we're following Jesus. And Jesus promises that we can be transformed. If you feel that the world has too big a footprint on your life. And you would like Jesus to set you free from that. Don't go away. Let Jesus do that today. If you feel that you really don't feel like you're part of the family, if you don't see where your place is in the family, don't go away. Come today. If you don't feel you're in the family, if you haven't met Jesus yet, let me introduce you to Jesus. I'll introduce you to Jesus And He will do business with you in a way that you wouldn't believe and bring you into the family. But if we want to see signs and wonders, do we? If we want to see an impact on our community, do we? If we want to see people saved and brought into God's family, do we? Then we need to do our in-family business we need to be devoted to that. But we also need to apply our out church business as well. We need to be going out. We can only do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be committed to that. When we do that, that's when we see it. And if that requires an encounter with Jesus for you today, that can happen. That can be yours. Today, just come to Jesus. We can be that New Testament church, ladies and gentlemen. We can see that vision happen in this town. It is far from unachievable. But the people who can make that happen are sitting right here, except for the one standing. I don't, I'm not excluding myself, but we're it. We and our fellow Christians in the town, we are the ones who can make that happen. Jesus is ready and waiting. He has the power. And my challenge to you today is if we want to be a New Testament church, let's get on and be a New Testament church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, family is a serious business. Uh, Lord, being in a family is a serious business. It has ups and downs. It has challenges it has clashes of personality. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we feel we are being overlooked. Sometimes we feel we are doing all the running. Lord, like any other family, it's not easy. Sometimes we struggle to believe that we're wanted. Sometimes we struggle to believe that we belong. Sometimes we struggle to believe that we're valued. But Lord, Speak to us by your Holy Spirit today. Draw us, make us a devoted family. Lord, make us hungry to see signs and wonders, to see impact on community, to see new conversions. Lord, make us hungry for that as a family together with the name of Jesus stamped on top. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.